0: Would y'all pray for Callie Hastings? Scott's taken her to the hospital. It just happened. She's not something.
1: She started hurting really really bad. she's not normal. And she's not due yet. No, she's not. She's got about a month. And yeah. so they're t- she's going right now. She's going to the hospital. It must be pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. So she was just here looking at five. <laughs> All right, good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody this morning. We made it back from Texoma. Nobody, I mean, with everyone, no one drowned or got choked or... (laughs) It was a fun trip. We had a good time. Well, Let's stand. We're going to sing the solid rock this morning. It's hymn number 71, if you want to look in a hymnal. And then we'll receive the morning offering. Mm -hmm. My hope is built. On nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But wholly lean on Jesus name, on Christ's solid rock I stand. No other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide His face. I rest on his unchanging grace and every high. means standing for prayer brother Irwin would you word our prayer this morning brother
0: Thank you miss martha i appreciate Brother, that
1: Callie,
0: all right we we will yes sir yep so anyway what gary was was mentioning was right before we started here darla came in and says hey can you guys pray for cali they just had a holler off to the hospital And so um, I said, well, i just seen her 30 seconds ago. I mean, literally, I walked past. But anyway, Scott had to take her over to the hospital. We're not sure what that's all about, so uh, we'll just start off right away with a prayer here. Father, we just come before you here now and lift up Callie. And um, we don't know what the problem is there, Lord, but you certainly do. And we just ask that you would give them peace about what's going on there, help it to not be anything major, maybe just a late in the pregnancy issue here, Lord, but um, we would just ask that you put a healing hand on that, help us all to be careful about uh, praying for her throughout the day, and we'll look forward to a praise report down the road, Lord, after you take care of this issue with her. We love you and praise you in Christ's name, amen. All right, well, I hope that's not anything terrible. I've never been pregnant, so I don't know how that goes, you know. And uh, But we had four kids, and of course there were, I think with every one of our kids, there were some kind of complication. There was always something that, that came up, and I think Patty had a couple of them through C-section and a, and a few other things. So anyways, um, <clears throat> with that in mind, we'll just uh, kind of continue to pray for her throughout the day, and hopefully we'll get a good report later, later on. Yeah. <clears throat> Last week we were... Uh, could you turn that down just a little bit there, Brian? I don't know if it's me or if I got the, yeah, okay, thank you. That's helpful. Anyways, we'll, uh, we'll get started on the Sunday school lesson here with a little bit of a recap from last week. But first, I want to thank all you men that were out there and put up with my uh, inefficiencies, my inadequacies, and my lack of knowledge on how fishing works um, I had a great time. My son and his friend, they had an excellent time. And uh, um, Omar there, you guys met him over there, but uh, um, he didn't want to go back home to Cleveland. And I said, well, that shows a lack of judgment on your part. You need to go back up to Cleveland and go fishing on Lake Erie. They're, they have guys up there that go out on that lake quite regularly. My big um, accomplishment this week, or you, you know, on that fishing trip, was I was out on a boat a lot, and I didn't grow up. I didn't get sick at all. It was a beautiful thing. It was an answer to prayer for me. Um, Somebody last week told me I need to get those Dramamine patches and start wearing them about a week ahead of time. uh, But I totally forgot all about that. But I I managed to to do good. Um, Had some excellent excellent food. We got some guys here that know how to cook. And Jeff Bilby, I don't know what that was that you cooked up there, but I think that might be the best fish that I have ever eaten in my life, and the the Rommelade sauce, I'm just going to start drinking that right out of the bottle. (laughs) Never had that, never heard of it, didn't know anything about it, but I tried it, it was very good. And uh, Esther, he says you're a better cook than a fisherman than he is. Is there any truth to this? No truth to that whatsoever. (laughs) All right. Well I heard some stories. Anyways, uh, all right, so last week as we were kind of getting done with this thing, we were looking into some stuff from uh, that Dr. David Jeremiah and some things having to do with, the, uh, with the, uh, Russia's involvement in the war and how this is all going to work towards Israel when we get down the road and everything. So uh, that, that's, where we were, that's where we were at and that's where I'm going to start off again here. And, and the thing we kind of ended on last week, and I'll just <clears throat> recap a little bit, was, was Magog. And it says there, Gog is from the land of Magog. That's in verse two. Magog was also the name of one of Noah's grandsons. Genesis ten two shows us that. And also First Chronicles 1, five. Many scholars believe the descendants settled around the Black and Caspian Seas, Russia's southern border in this Jeremiah study Bible I mentioned where he kind of says what these things are and they were all those Stan, all those countries that end in Stan. And then we mentioned about this issue about what unites these 60 million people that are in this region today is their faith, their religion is Islam. And that's going to have a lot to do with uh, you know, why they really go against Israel at the end here and Jesus and people like us, Christians, professed born-again believers and what have you. So anyway, uh, the, the names of all these different places are not necessarily listed out in the Bible because they've got different names now and what have you. But you can go through and you can discern where these places are at by the, by the relativity where they describe them, here, here's Israel and here's where this place is at and they're gonna come from the north and they're gonna come from the east and all this. So we can come in here and get a pretty good idea about what countries they're actually talking about here. So the, the next one here was the, um, was the uh, Meshech and Tubal, And these were also grandsons of Noah that founded these countries. Genesis 10-2 talks about this. Their descendants established cities or territories being their names. In a C.I. Schofield identifies the Meshek as Moscow and Tubal as Tobolsk. Other scholars identify these uh, territories as modern Turkey. So all that kind of stuff over there can kind of run together and the names of these different places modern names versus what their biblical names were when this was all being prophesied sometimes can be a little bit difficult to understand and even the even the guys that study this all the time and it's their life's devotion they even have some questions sometimes about well is this really this place or is it that place or what uh, what does this actually mean and how it's all going to uh, to finally manifest itself here so um, this this Russian President uh, Putin right now on all this, he is very aggressively pursuing uh, uh, reinstitution of the old Soviet bloc. You know, all that they used to talk about and all the 007 movies and all that kind of, well, that stuff was really, the, the movies weren't true, but all how all that worked and everything really is true. It all kind of came down the way, it, the way it says there. So the next, um, the next, uh, country here that they talk about is Persia, and then it says uh, Persia is mentioned in Ezekiel 38:5, and and then about 35 more times in Scripture. I did not go back and do an exhaustive search over where all that is is uh, mentioned in there and everything. But here here's what it, here's what we we want to look into, and we'll kind of bring it up to date for us a little bit. It says in 1935, Persia changed its name to Iran. And everybody knows about that, Iraq and Iran and what have you. Then in 1979, it became the Islamic Republic of Iran. Today, Russia is Iran's strongest ally and Israel's strongest enemy. This alliance will continue in the latter days. Now, I'm not sure exactly when this article and when this research on this was was done, but, but I'm pretty certain that those that condition is still... Uh, valid right now that these folks are you know they're in bed together with all this stuff that they're doing and what they're plotting against Israel so as we mentioned last week none of this is supposed to be alarming to us as a matter of fact we we ought to be able to look at it and go yeah we kinda know what's gonna happen there because we've read all about it By the, by the way hi Tony I didn't see you before we started here this morning glad to see you back here anyways um so how all that's going to come down, and, and, and the the prospects of it, or the, the prophecy of it, shouldn't shouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, surprising to us. We ought to be able to just look at this and say, yep, we we know that there's something going to happen down the down the road here that's not going to be, that's not going to be good. Um, Ethiopia, founded by another of Noah's grandsons, Genesis 10, 6, Ethiopia is one of two North African nations that will join the alliance, and this is uh, talked about in Ezekiel 38, 5. Ancient Ethiopia represented the land south of Egypt. Today, that region is the modern country of Sudan, and you hear about that in the news, uh, or you used to hear about it pretty regular in the news. I don't really listen to the news too much anymore, but I remember hearing different things about it. Um, another declared enemy of Israel here. So uh, this President Putin over there, trying to get this done, he has annexed Crimea. Crimea is a peninsula in Eastern Europe on the northern coast of the Black Sea, almost entirely surrounded by the Black Sea in the smaller Sea of Azoz, Azov, and then he has also crept into the Republic of Georgia. I don't know if you guys recall a few years back and everything. That was big news when all this started going on. And even then, there was a lot of talk about people that aren't even you know, like-minded like we are, about, wow, I wonder what's going on over there. And then they end up talking about the Battle of Armageddon, and they talk about all kinds of different things, because even people that are not... Um, in the have been sitting under this kind of preaching or have ever read anything in the book of Revelation, even those folks know that there is something going on on this planet right now all the more reason for us to not tarry and sit around and do nothing, all the more reason for us to start telling people about the gospel. You know, there's a, uh, there's a thing there that talks about if anybody ever asks you about why you are the way you are, you know, hey, you're a real weirdo. And then you can say, yeah, let me tell you why. You can go through and always have a reason to, to tell somebody about the hope that's in us and how we go about conducting our lives. And while in the midst or the imminency of all of, this, all of this destruction and turmoil that's going on on our earth, you still have the hope and the joy of the Lord in our lives. And so you just plow right through it, so. All right. To Garma. this is uh, moving down Noah's family tree to, to, Mar- to Garma, I guess I'm pronoun- I don't know how to pronounce it necessarily. Was one of the great grandsons. Genesis 10:3. Ezekiel places this tribe in the far north. Some believe To uh, could be the foundation of modern day Turkey. So, again, there's a lot of uh, looking into these things and how this stuff gets here and and um, you know, but it's all a big giant picture and if it says this place they're talking about is this many miles or this direction from this place, that's how they go about figuring out where these things are at. And it says regardless of their exact modern identities, these nations were identified as parts of the alliance led by Gog, the leader to come against Israel. Russia and Turkey will lead from the north, Iran will join from the east, Sudan and Libya will press in from the south and possibly Germany from the west. We mentioned last week, hadn't heard too much about Germany lately, but here it's mentioned again in this different article. To darken the picture for Israel, these likely represent the chief chief allies in the invasion. In Ezekiel 38.9, the prophet added that the nation will have many peoples on its side. So there could be a whole bunch of other things that, you know, smaller entities that will get involved with this thing. And, and depending on who it looks like is going to win the war, right, it, there might be some people that were undecided and they'll go over to the, over to the right side. So it's really kind of difficult, maybe even impossible, to decide exactly how many people are going to come against Israel in this uh, in this battle that's coming up, in this day that's, that's approaching here. Uh, So uh, he also invaded Ukraine. We know about that that's going on right now. And then uh, uh, I looked some other stuff up about this. He says, you know, while provoking the people of Eurasia, he is causing a great deal of concern all around the world. The United States is concerned about it. I'm particularly concerned about the United States because current leadership is not in the right mind, I don't think, about how to to, uh, orchestrate a war effort if anything happens. I mean, I have nightmares about, and I don't even know why I would have a a dream or a nightmare or anything about that, but I just love this country and I hate to see what is going on with it from that standpoint, you know? And uh, so somebody, we were talking one night at dinner, you know, among some political friends of ours, and uh, I said, yeah, you know, what what I'm scared of is that some morning we're going to be you know we're going to wake up to a bunch of Chinese soldiers marching down the streets of Bridgeport, Texas, and we're all going to end up in a salt mine somewhere or something. I, I mean that's the way that these kind of things come down. And if you don't have a government that will sit here and pay attention to what's going on with these things, and and their their uh, responsibility is to pay attention to it and what have you, you know the only thing we've got. In our favor here, particularly in Texas, is all the gun toting rednecks. That's what people refer to them as, but that's the militia. that's the people that keep this country safe. And quite frankly, I believe that that's why we already haven't had a major thing on our if people probably plotting against anything going on here will say, "Yeah, there's a bunch of people that have, like every one of them got three or four guns in their bedroom, and they're loaded and all this sort of thing. so Anyway, um, Eurasia is the largest continental area on Earth, comprising all of Europe and Asia. According to some geographers, uh, physiographically, Eurasia is a single continent, and it is big. If you look on a a globe, man, that thing takes up a whole bunch of the globe and everything. So anyways, um, talked about who's going to join this alliance. We're giving those names and talking about it. uh, like that we talked about the modern terms of these of these places and and uh, what they're doing and then uh, we're going to uh, we're going to get into some more stuff here on dr. Jeremiah's article that uh, that we read last week we kind of got into this a little bit last week so for, for now any questions about anything we've talked about so far yes ma'am what page are we on um, yeah, it's probably page one sixty-four, maybe in your in your book. Hold on a second. Let me see if. You, okay, did you figure it out? Uh, all right, thanks. On our next Sunday school lesson, we're not going to have any fill-in-the-blanks. I'll put the blanks up on the thing there and just tell you what they, tell you what they are. Anyways, um, one of the big questions that comes up about all of these different things now is when in the world is this going to happen? Well, we talked last week that we don't know when it's going to happen. You, you look at the signs of the times, and you can come in here and using some discernment. You can maybe figure out kind of what's going on. You can look at some things that have to happen ahead of time and how they're progressing and what have you. And that is how you get some idea about when these things are are going to come up. So why the Russian alliance cannot yet invade Israel. Before Russia attacks Israel, three requirements will have to be met. Understanding these requirements helps us anticipate the timing of the attack. Not that we particularly care about the timing of the attack, because we're not going to be around to be involved in any of this stuff, right? Israel must be present in her land. And here's what it says about this. For over 2,000 years, and I've mentioned this on several different occasions here throughout this. For over 2,000 years, the Jewish people were scattered all over the world, living among Gentiles, because there was not a Jewish nation. In 1948, that changed. The nation of Israel was reborn, and many Jews returned to their homeland so that the first prerequisite for the invasion of Russia has already been fulfilled. Israel occupies her land. So, um, and when it talks about the invasion of Russia, it's not just talking about Russia. It's talking about this entire alliance, all these different people. So, um, Right now, we see how, how miserably Russia is doing against Ukraine. Well, if they do that bad against Israel, none of this can work out exactly like it's supposed to, right, and we know from a scripture and prophecy that we know what is gonna happen down the road, that this whole thing is gonna be, it's gonna be gathered up enough people in this alliance where they feel like they have no chance of losing the war, they're not gonna start it. So anyways, that part of the thing has already, um, already been fulfilled. Then it says, Israel must also be profitable in her land. Right now, Israel is the world's third most innovative innovative nation behind Finland and Switzerland and just ahead of Japan and the United States. Modern Israel is a center of innovation and entrepreneurship, which means the second prerequisite of Russia's invasion has been met. So there are a lot of things. If um, I know some folks, uh, Esther and Jeff, you guys were just over there not all that long ago. There's probably, um, of course, in the cities and the airports and what have you. You probably see a lot of modern-day things over there, and what it—I mean—it it might be a lot better even than the United States and some of the infrastructure and how that stuff all works. Um, my only involvement with any of that stuff is flying over there, and I never get out of the airplane. We unload and we go off and do something else because we never stayed over o- over there anywhere. But anyways. Um, uh, those things are just—they're they're just a fact. That's the way they, they operate. I understand that they've got some fighter jets and what have you in their army that are uh, iterations of things that we have manufactured, but they have improved on them quite a, quite a bit to do the things that they need to, to do with them. So then, finally, here, this last one here: Israel must be at peace in her land. Now, I mentioned uh, the other day that if you go in there, you do nothing but see. People toting guns around because they're under imminent attack. They're always ready for some kind of a army to come in there. It says if you if you visit Israel today, you will see people with guns slung over their shoulders everywhere you go. They are always on alert because they know they could be attacked by their neighbors at any moment. Ezekiel 38:11 describes a markedly different Israel. Gog will go up against a land of unwalled villages. Gog will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. When Russia attacks Israel, the nation will be disarmed. And that's a difficult thing to imagine that. So the question is, is how does it get like that? What, what would ever cause somebody, what could happen here in Texas that, that people, all the rednecks would go over and say, yeah, we don't need our guns anymore, you know? There is a thing going to happen to Israel like that. It's going to be when they make this pact with the Antichrist. That's when everything is going to look like it's all going to be peachy keen. And you know what? You don't need guns anymore because we're going to take care of you. And this is all going to be a peaceful thing here and what, what have you. So um, the, uh, the next part of this then talks about that very thing. When the Russian alliance will invade Israel, the radical shift in Israel when she will lower her defenses, will occur at the beginning of the tribulation or just before it. At the time of the rapture, the Antichrist will make a seven-year deal with Israel in which he will promise to protect the nation. So there it is right there. And these people are fooled into thinking, just like a lot of people are fooled into thinking, that, uh, that this is the answer to all the, all the troubles. You know, people, when you sit here and you talk about Jesus to folks and you try to tell them that, here's the way of christianity this is what it's like they might come back with the response about yeah you guys just think your life is a whole better roses because you're a christian and what have you and there's not anything in the bible that says anything along those lines there is as a matter of fact in the bible it's very clear that well, if you become a christian your troubles might just be starting up here and that there's going to be times of persecution and there's going to be trials and there's going to be things that you have to do deny yourself and pick up your cross daily that does not sound to me like peace and a bed of roses that sounds like problems that you have to go through but i'll never leave you or forsake you he's there w- with you this whole path now then that's not how the antichrist comes in he comes in the beast comes in and says yeah this is going to be a bed of roses here you go listen to us we can do this this and this and through a bunch of flattery, through a bunch of uh, lies and, and misgivings, and uh, pointing things out, giving away stuff—all this sort of thing—now you've got a now you've got a, a group of people that become subjects rather than rather than citizens and people that would 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 want to believe in Jesus. But there is a thing that turns around down the road, and they and they do they do come around to this to the right way of thinking here. Um. Israel will become dependent upon the antichrist, disarm her army and devote all her energy to increasing her wealth. Boy, how many times do you how many times do you see that just in individual people? Forget about everything, all I want to do is have more and more and more money. I just want to be richer and richer and richer. I think there was I, I think there was some somebody at an interview or something like that asked one of the most rich people in America something along the lines of how much money is enough? And the person said, just a little bit more. Boy, that's sad to think about that. When you can have all the wealth in the world and everything, and if you don't know Christ as your savior, you have absolutely nothing that matters, You know, because we're here for just a vapor, just a short period of time. The nation will be defenseless against the Northern Coalition. Now then. We do not know when Israel will make this pact with the Antichrist because we do not know when the rapture will occur. That makes sense. Matthew 24, 36 makes that clear. However, we can be certain this army will come against Israel when the nation is present and it is prosperous, which it is, and peaceful, and it's going to work its way towards that end here. The Norse invasion of Israel is not going to happen in the immediate future, but perhaps sooner than we think. So I'm not a predictor of these things. It doesn't appear like anybody is. The, the Bible doesn't even give us a timeline, but once the, once the rapture is here and the, the seven-year tribulation period starts, then there is a specific timeline. We talked about that. We talked about the, the way that the thing will just carry on in the prophetical aspect of it, and also that there's some times there that God is gonna appoint different things to, to happen here. So. How will Israel survive the, the invasion? Well, from a human perspective, there's not any way that, that it could possibly work out. It's like when you see some of these, um, some of these Hollywood flicks and there's the, the good guys getting attacked by 10 bad guys and they all got baseball bats and guns and you think, how in the world is that guy gonna pull that off? But he does, right? Because the movie has to go on and all that. This is the same kind of thing that's gonna happen when, it starts, when, when this looks at, at Israel. We're gonna look from a human perspective, It's just like, man, they're not gonna get out of this mess. But then God comes along and intervenes, right? The nation's only hope will be God's intervention, and Russia will be blind to this prospect. Why? Because they're following what the beast is saying. They're believing what the Antichrist is saying about this stuff. Ezekiel describes the Lord's response to Russia's invasion this way. It will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of, of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show my face for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there she be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. That's in Ezekiel thirty-eight, eighteen and 19. One thing that I did notice here, Brother Steve, about Dr. Jeremiah is he does not necessarily use the King James Version of the Bible every time he writes something there. But uh, uh, again, the text and his research on it is, to, to me, it's got a lot of value to it. It's, it's the best stuff that i ran across out there. Later in the chapter, there's a description of massive casualties among the Northern Coalition in a series of natural disasters. God will use evil tendencies of the allied nations, their greed, their hatred, their bloodlust, to goad them into attacking Israel so that he can execute his judgment against them for their long history of opposition to the Jewish people. God's judgment will rain down in a series of disasters even more spectacular and catastrophic than the plagues of ancient Egypt. And we all kind of remember what those things were, were like. So God does use different things. Here it says right here, he uses these things, these three things that he mentions in here about causing those guys to decide that, okay, now's our time to go and attack Israel. We're gonna get this over with once and for all. Well, they're, they're operating under the wrong principles here. And so you look at that in our lives. How many times do we operate maybe under the wrong principles when we go to start doing something or we're gonna get revenge? Revenge is mine, saith the Lord, but we wanna take that a lot of times into our own hands. I've got a little of that going on in my life right now, as a matter of fact. But uh, anyway, you, you go through here, and you have to set those things aside. You've got to use great discernment when it comes to, to how you go about handling things. And apparently, these people in this great alliance are not going to use very much discernment. They're going to they're gonna see something that they want to get done and make a point with somebody. And in all their, all their greed, their bloodlust, their hatred of these people, and all that kind of stuff, and probably, to a certain degree, their prideful attitude about it, they're going to go in there and, uh, and do this thing. And then God is going to give them a little bit of a lesson down the road here. All right. What the Russian prophecy means for us today. So how does all this affect us in 2023 and beyond here? God does not reveal the future to us, but the Bible informs us of these signs so that we will never fear impossible odds. In fact, the impossible... Is not possible when God is on our side. That's an interesting way to put that. The impossible is not possible when God is on our side. We can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us, right? Okay. Jesus assures us with these words: With God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. In Paul's letter to the Ephesian, he writes that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Ephesians 3:20 Israel's impossible odds are no obstacle for God. Her invisible ally is impossible to overcome. In our culture, God's people often feel powerless. How many times have you felt like that? I wonder how Callie's doing right now, thinking about that. I wonder if anything has gone through her mind that, uh, that. Uh, well I'm getting run over to the hospital. I hope there's nothing wrong. I hope there's, and, and then maybe she felt a little bit bad that there's not really anything that she can do about it. But we prayed. Maybe she's praying. Scott may be praying. All these things. With God, all things are possible. This might not be anything. It might not be an issue at all, and that's what we would hope. They throw up their hands and refuse to resist the onslaught of evil. That, we've talked about that. This whole thing right now, man, it's a a battle of good and evil. Worse than I've ever seen or ever remembered in my lifetime. You just look at things now and you go, Man, that's just plain. E- There's, that's not a bad person. That's just evil. That's the. That's Satan incarnate. You, you just run across people like that sometimes, and what have you. That is not the answer. We should all be as involved as possible pursuing that which is right. When all of that is finished, and we have done our best, God is still present with all His power and all His majesty, and with all His ability. Prophecies like like this one about the future of Russia and Israel, res- remind us that we have a great and awesome God and nothing is beyond his power. Even when it looks like there's no hope, God can come in and change everything. You know, a couple, let's see, I guess it was last, uh, last Sunday night, I was invited down to uh, Drake and Allison's church, my son-in-law and daughter down in uh, Joshua. And I went down there and it was for a, uh, for a men's meeting. They were having a men's meeting there, and the speaker at this thing was a a fellow named Chauncey Franks, I think, and he's the TCU University spiritual guy and the chaplain of all the the teams down there at TCU and what have you. And that guy gave a wonderful uh, message there for about 45 minutes all about God's power and relying on it and how we have to pray and how we have to look to, to what God has done in our life to give us some reinforcement over what he can do in our life, particularly when you run into, uh, run into troubles. God could come in and change everything here. So anyway, that is the end of Dr. David Jeremiah's... Little thing, and there was a, some other stuff in there that probably, by the letter of the law, I should have given credit to the other people that I use there. But most of them, I don't even, I don't even know who they are. Uh, there's this, there's this thing out on the internet. There, this Wikipedia, and occasionally you can find a line in there that looks like it might be a, a good thing. But somebody told me that that thing is. You can go in there and just anybody can go in there and edit it so you I, I don't know how good any of that is but I, I try to be very careful to reference back to scripture when there's something when there's something uh, written down in there so anyways uh, now we're at the next part of the uh, of the lesson here so if you got your paperwork out there your next little line that you should look at there or what you should write down is the abomination of desolation and that occurs if you got your timeline there that occurs around letter J on the timeline if everybody remembers that it's a copy of page 177 actually from the from the next lesson plan that we'll get into and so again we're just going to go through here and and start uh start looking at some of this stuff My hope for today was uh, to get through this to the end of this lesson, and I think if I just kind of read through this without too much commentary and talking about it and extra notes and what have you, we can probably get done with this lesson here today, which would be my, my desire to have that happen. Abomination of Desolation. The covenant made here with the beast at the beginning of this thing is going to be broken. A pig will be sacrificed in the temple. The beast, Antichrist, will make himself openly known. So now we're finally going to get to find out who this guy is. All right? The mark of the beast will be implemented, and Christians will begin to be slaughtered for their faith. That's already the the mark of the beast may not necessarily be out there, but there's a lot of stuff going down that particular direction. And then there's already Christians being slaughtered for their faith. In a lot of these Muslim countries, Man, there's people getting their heads lopped off, and some of the stuff that they do when you read through this is just absolutely atrocious, what they do to, to Christians. You know. Anyway, um, that's what, what it is. That's what we're in for, and that's where we have to look to the Lord for our salvation and our grace and mercy and his loving kindness and the, the, the grace to just do things right when it comes time to, to do it. When you have to profess your faith in Jesus be my prayer that he gives me the grace to do it and just say hallelujah, praise his name and, and just go out smiling. That kind of sounds maybe a little bit morbid but if you ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs there's lots of people that have gone through that already and, and, uh, and, and so that's just the way things are here. Daniel 11, 21 through 31 and, thir- and then uh, verse 37. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Yeah, come in peaceably and give everything away and tell people how great they are. That'll do it every time. Take a look around you, right? Not in this room, around America. If you don't think that works, take a look. And with the arms of a flood, they shall be overflown from before him and shall be broken. Yea, also the prince of the covenant. And after the league made with him shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. It's one of those little tin horn things there, the little smallest one at the end of the thing. It's the one that actually ends up handling all this stuff he shall enter peaceably even upon the fattest places of the province and he shall do that which his fathers have not done nor his father's fathers he shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches yea and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds even for a time so what does that mean yeah all the stuff that's gathered up in all these battles and all the things that the government has and everything they're going to spread them out among the people Boy, if our government doesn't do that, I don't know who does. <laughs> you know, it's just a constant. Here, you're going to give this away. We're going to give that away. You're great. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. This is exactly the way that the Antichrist is going to be operating here. And he shall stir up his power and courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall forecast devices against him. Yea, they have fed that portion of his meat, shall destroy him, and his army shall overflow, and many shall fall down slain. And both these kings' hearts shall be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table, but it shall not prosper. Now, you ever ever heard about that? Boy, we get all kinds of packs and stuff with all these different government officials sitting around their big round tables and what have you. And oh, we've come to an agreement with this person and we've come to an agreement with this country and this isn't gonna happen. And it ain't 20 minutes later, there's a news item on there, headline. Yeah, so-and-so just did it. Well, that's what they just said they weren't gonna do (laughs) five minutes ago, you know? So these things are all just a bunch of lies. They just, they speak lies at one table. That's what this is talking about. This is the way the Antichrist is going to do. Um, Things will not be uh, truthful. Under any circumstances, they just, they just won't be. Um, during the Second World War, one of the guys come back, had a big paper in his hand from Adolf Hitler saying, hey, I, I, uh, I, the guy's name slips my mind right now. Somebody in the room probably knows it. Hey, I just made an agreement with, uh, with Hitler here. And while that agreement was being waved around, Hitler was invading his country at the other side of the, the, other side of the land. I mean, it's amazing. But it shall not prosper. None of this is gonna work. For yet the end shall be at the time appointed. Then shall he return into his land with great riches, and his heart shall be against the holy covenant, and he shall do exploits and return to his own land. At the time appointed he shall return and come toward the south, but he shall not be as the former or as the latter. For the ships of Chittim shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant. And arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. This beast is going to say he's the best guy ever. He's going to do away with all of the things that, uh, that Israel was doing up to this point. And then they're going to start getting an idea that, yeah, maybe this thing isn't really such a great deal we got involved with. You ever, ever been in anything like that? Boy, you sign all the paperwork and you drive that new car out of the parking lot and five miles down the road you go, now, should, should I have really bought this? This probably wasn't really the smartest thing that I've ever done. Or how about the new house that you just bought and you turn the faucet on and it's water running out of the wall instead of the faucet. Then you start wondering about some things. Well, this, this, this is the way the Israelites are going to start looking at this thing. Wow, I think we might have made a bad mistake here getting, in, getting involved with this thing here. So, um, All right, the next area we're on here is Armageddon. That's another one of your little things there that you should uh, that you should write uh, write in your little line there. That's underlined thing. This battle will take place in the valley of Megiddo or Esdralon. It is a massive valley that is surrounded by mountains on every side. Antichrist will assemble all armies of the north or all armies of the earth to this valley to annihilate the Jews. Here we are, the Christians and even God himself. So now they're coming out here to annihilate God himself. We've had some, we've had some individuals have tried to, uh, to do that. A lot of some of the real famous ones, they have passed away within the last five or 10 years or something like that, and I wonder how things are going for them right now. It saddens me to think that somebody with those levels of intelligence and stuff could not understand the simplicity of the, of the message of salvation. You know, <laughs> The, um, um, what, is it, what does the Bible say? God uses his simplicity to confound the wise, right? <laughs> Boy, it's worked in that case. One fellow in a wheelchair that's dead now comes to mind. Jesus Christ himself fights his battle, and there is a total slaughter at his hands. Revelation 16, 16, and he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Revelation nineteen, eleven through sixteen, and I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, and and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise his holy name. Boy, isn't that going to be, that's exciting to read all about it. You know, just to yeah. see Jesus and the way he rides in, ends up, starts off at the Mount of Olives, right? That's where this whole thing begins and everything and, and comes back and then there's all these different, all this different stuff that comes up. Now finally, letter L here. This is the last thing and we, I've got enough time here probably to, to look through it here. Judgment of the beast and false prophet. That's an underlined thing there. That's a blank on your paper. That's the last one there, incidentally, for Lesson 27. Two parts of the unholy trinity are judged. The beast, Antichrist, and the false prophet mimics the Holy Spirit as at work by the will and hand of Satan, will be cast into the lake of fire. That's what's gonna happen there at the end of this thing. And then Revelation 19:20 20 and is where it talks about these things. And the beast was taken, and with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that he had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image; these both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Wow. I mentioned last week of, uh, something along the lines of, "I don't, uh, I wouldn't mind if the Lord came back right now, but boy, I've got unsaved family members. I got people in my family just won't listen to this stuff and won't." Be any part of it, and what have you? So, anybody have any um, anybody have any questions, comments, concerns about anything there that we've said so far? No hard questions, please. If you have a question, You're probably asking me what page what page we're on there, right, Esther? That was a hard enough. I couldn't even answer that question. See, so you better not ask me anything any any deeper than that, maybe. So listen, um, there was an article I looked up here about the about the. Uh, the Battle of Armageddon. Here, and maybe with the last couple of minutes, I'll talk about this just a little bit. At the end of the Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon will be the final showdown between good and evil on the earth. That's good to hear. Glad to see that's all going to come back. There's not going to be any bystanders. You're not going to have an opportunity to take the middle fence on this. You either have to be on the side of good or the side of evil. Right now in America, you kind of almost have that too and mostly if you're not on the evil side you get ostracized you get in all kinds of trouble people hate you they make fun of you they do all kinds of stuff we're in good company when that happens folks so all these other folks that came before us are uh, are uh, you know had this had the same the same problem in america here we don't have it to the physical level that that they have in some countries because people aren't putting bullets through our heads yet but it'll come don't don't worry it'll show up The entire world will be involved. Scripture tells us the battle will end in an instant, but it provides certain details about the event. Here's the location. We already talked about where it's gonna be between this this valley with the two, with the mountains, all surrounding the mountains around it and what have you. Uh, The book of Zechariah talks about this thing. Uh, In Zechariah 14.4, as a matter of fact, uh, the Lord's return will fulfill a prophecy the angels gave when they first ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. The same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven will also come to you in the same manner. So that's where the thing all starts. He shows back up there on the Mount of Olives. A uh, little note they had here in this article was in 1967, the Mount of Olives returned to Israel's control, setting the stage for Christ's return in the final battle of this thing, 1967. I was five years old when that happened. The victor, Jesus in the armies of heaven, we find John's description of Christ's victory in Revelation 19, 11 through 16. I won't, in the interest of time, I won't read through that right now. Nowhere else in the Bible do we describe, nowhere else in the Bible do we find Jesus described with such might and power. When he first showed up here, man, he was, it was a bad, he showed up in a, in a manger out there in the middle of nowhere because they had no, they didn't even have a hotel room for him. How tough is that, Right? That's as bad as, well, what, from what Pastor was saying, that must be as bad as sleeping with you in the same room, Gary. <laughs> there, little dig, I thought I'd get that in, just a little, little humor. Now, listen, I had a sleep with Kyle Hastings, all right, and, and so he told me ahead of time, he says, you're going to hate this. It's like sleeping with a freight. I didn't hear a peep out of that guy. He says, the next morning, I said, were you even in the room? And he said, yeah, I was in there, but I was so tired, I couldn't snore. Now, that didn't make any sense to me, but whatever. That's what he said. So anyhow, we'll, uh, we'll call it a day there on that, on that sour note, right? <laughs> Father, thank you for the time that you've given us. Again, we think about Callie over there. Hopefully by now she's uh, well cared for in the hospital, Lord. I'd ask that you give the doctors the wisdom, the nurses, patients. Everybody dealing with her would be kind and gentle. But Lord, primarily I ask for just a miraculous healing, whatever it is that's wrong with her right now. I'd ask that you'd be with the preacher now as he brings us a message this morning. We love you, thank you, and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. All right.